Hello, I'm Jesse Wolds from Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 28. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk. So if you have children, make sure they're listening. Then we'll go to the sermon. So let's hear the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 28. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, for a man, uh, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says, all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. This is the word of our God. Good morning. There we are. Now I'm on. Excellent. Good to see you all here today. Ah, oh, Thanks, Jesse. All right, now, we've got a message to share, don't we? Do you remember? We've been learning that we all have a message to share. This is the message that the Bible teaches us. All right, so we learned a few weeks ago that God made the world, didn't he? And he made people to be rulers of the world under him. He made them special and precious. Now that was good and right and perfect, but is that the way it is now? It's not, is it? See, people decided they didn't want God to be the king. They crossed God out as the king and the ruler and they put little crowns on their own head. They decided that they wanted to make the rules that they wanted to be the boss and decide what was right and wrong. And that's why the world is in such a mess today. Now, that's a pretty sad story. Is God going to let this continue forever? It's not, is it? The next week, we learned that God's not going to put up with our rebellion against him forever. All right. Because we have all crossed God out, God says that he's going to cross us out. They're the consequences of our sin, the consequences of us doing life our own way without the life giver. Right? There's punishment for sin. And that's, that's awful because every single one of us is in that situation. 
that's pretty awful. But there's good news and we got to this good news last week. Do you remember the good news? The good news in our message to share? Hannah? Jesus took all our sins for us. That's right. God sent his son, the man Jesus Christ, into the world. And Jesus always lived the way Adam and Eve were supposed to live, the way all of us were supposed to live. He never stepped out from under God's rule. He never put a little crown on his own head. He always lived with God as the king. And so Jesus didn't deserve to die. But he did die. And when he died, he died in the place of people like you and me so that we could be forgiven for our sins. Now we're going to learn what this next fifth box means. Okay, I have a little friend here to show you. This is Rainbow. Okay, Rainbow Teddy. It is yours, Flicky, that's right. I'm just borrowing it for a little bit. Okay. Now Rainbow has decided that she would like to be a pilot. All right, so she went and bought herself a pilot's cap and she's been hanging around at the airport waiting for somebody to ask her to fly the plane. Should work, shouldn't it? No. She needs to apply for the job. So, if Rainbow just went and applied for the job, then she'd be allowed to drive the plane. She'd have to have driving lessons, probably flying lessons, really. That's right. To be a pilot, you need to be qualified, don't you? You need to be qualified to be the pilot. All right. You need to do the tests. You need to have the flying lessons. You need to follow the rules so that you're qualified to be the pilot. So, Rainbow's given up on the idea of being a pilot. Instead, she has gone and bought herself a wooden spoon and a rolling pin. And Rainbow has decided that she's going to be a chef. Okay, she's going to go to a famous restaurant and she's going to say, hey guys, I'm here to cook the dinners for all of the guests in the, in the restaurant. Do you think they'd let her? You don't. She needs to have cooking lessons first. That's a good idea. She probably needs to do an apprenticeship to learn how to do the cooking. She needs to get the qualification to learn to be a chef. They don't let just anybody come in and cook dinner at a fancy restaurant. You've got to learn and you've got to be qualified to do the job. So do you think they're going to let Rainbow in the kitchen? No, she's not qualified, is she? All right. One more job that Rainbow might try and apply for. Rainbow's decided she would like to be the ruler. 
She would like to be the queen or the king maybe that lives forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. All right, so she made herself a crown. It's a pretty high quality one. And she's going to start giving people instructions and telling them how to live. So she might tell Kai to go to bed early. But she's the ruler. Don't you have to do what the ruler says? She's not the ruler. She might tell Ellie to run up and down the hallway all night long. Should you do it? Is she really the ruler? She's not, is she? She's made herself a little paper crown. It's not It's not even stapled together. All right. Rainbow is not qualified to be the ruler, is she? She's not the real ruler because she hasn't been born into the royal line. She's not part of the royal family, so she can't be the ruler. Now, we learn here in this box that there is a real ruler who is really qualified to rule forever and ever 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 and ever. Do you know who the ruler is? Jesus. That's right. But that's a bit strange, isn't it? Because we just learnt last week that Jesus died. So he can't be the ruler, can he? Forever and ever and ever. But isn't he dead? Aha. Uh -huh. You're missing a step of the story, though. Because before he went to heaven, Kai... The resurrection, that's right. See, because Jesus didn't deserve to die, he didn't stay dead. God raised him back to life again. And now he's in heaven, alive, and he's sitting on the throne, ruling as God's chosen king. And because he's already defeated death, he's gone through it and won, Jesus is qualified to rule forever and ever 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 and ever. Because he will never die again. And he is never going to put a little crown on his own head. He's always going to live God's way. So he will never be crossed out by God. Jesus is the only one who is qualified to be the ruler. And that's what he's doing now. He's ruling in heaven. Is that good news to share? It's good news, isn't it? It's good news to share with the world around us. Let's say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus came, that he lived a perfect life, and that he died the death that we deserved. Father, thank you that you raised him back to life again, and that he is now the king, ruling forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Please help us to submit to him as our king. Amen.
Let's come and let's uh, let's pray as well uh, that our God would help us to understand uh, more of what it means that Jesus has been raised. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we thank you for this glorious news, the glorious reality uh, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. We pray now that as we consider this glorious uh, topic, this glorious uh, news, Lord, that our hearts would be ready to receive it, that we would believe it, that we would live as people under the King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the classic movie, The Princess Bride, there is a great sword, sword fight scene. Inigo Montoya was part of a three-man team hired to kidnap a princess to start a war. But they discovered there was someone following them, the man in black. After climbing a massive cliff face with their kidnapped princess, Inigo was left behind to kill the man in black if he managed to reach the top. The man in black did make it, and they began their duel. And they were both masters of the sword, navigating the, the rocky terrain, but the man in black was better. But still, Inigo was smiling. They'd both been fighting with their left hands, but Inigo was right-handed. So he swapped hands, and the battle began to turn his way. Suddenly, Inigo was dominating. The man in black was overwhelmed. Inigo was anticipating victory. Until the man in black, when all hope for him seemed lost, announced his own surprise. He wasn't left-handed either. And suddenly, the one who looked to be defeated became the victor. Inigo is overwhelmed, knocked out, and the man in black continues his chase of the kidnappers and the princess. There was a time that Jesus seems to be defeated, hanging from the cross, laying in the tomb. All seemed lost. Until Jesus swapped hands until he rose from the dead. We have a message to share. We're up to the sixth element of our message. First, God is the maker and ruler of the world. Second, God made humanity in his image. Third, we have all rebelled against God's loving rule. Fourth, God justly judges our rebellion. Fifth, Jesus' death reconciles us to God. But Jesus didn't stay dead. If we were observing his death about 2,000 years ago, we would think that he was defeated. But we just needed to wait a few days before we'd see Jesus swap hands to see his victory. In this sixth part of our message, Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. He's victorious over our greatest enemies of sin, death, and the devil, and he sits on the throne. Now, for many, this is the most outlandish part of our message. Why it's so significant 
will take a little bit of effort to explain, but without this element, we're lost. If Jesus is still dead, he's no saviour, he's no king, which is why we need to treasure this sixth element and be ready to share this message. Jesus reigns as the living saviour and king. So let's start thinking about this element of our message in our first heading, Christ has been raised. Now, last week, we, we focused our attention on Jesus' death. There he was, hanging on the cross, surrounded by Roman soldiers and by mocking crowds. Remember, in the middle of the day, the sky grew dark for hours. It is finished, he said. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. To confirm he was dead, the soldiers stabbed his side with a spear. And blood and water came out. The Roman soldiers declared him to be dead. And they were experts on death. Joseph of Arimathea, a secret disciple, buried his body in his own tomb. The tomb was sealed, a large stone was placed in front of the entrance and it was guarded by Roman soldiers. Friday night, all day Saturday, the first part of Sunday morning, all was quiet. And if that was the end of the story, we would not be meeting here today. If he had stayed dead, if he'd just... If he'd stayed dead, he would just be another forgotten figure of history. If he stayed dead, he'd only have been relatively famous in Israel, but then quickly forgotten, like all the other zealots who tried to lead rebellions against Rome around that time. His name would never have uh, travelled the Roman Empire. If Jesus hadn't been raised, Jews wouldn't have travelled the, uh, the known world, visiting synagogues, telling the Jews in those synagogues of this guy who died in, uh, in Jerusalem. They certainly wouldn't have gone to the Gentiles and spoken to them about him. They wouldn't have been willing to be beaten and arrested and stoned for him. But on that Sunday morning, as dawn rose and the sun began to break through the darkness, there was an earthquake. The huge stone sealing the tomb was rolled away. Two angels appeared, terrifying the trained soldiers as they stood there. As those angels stood there in blazing glory. And Jesus, his body dead a moment before, bound in cloth like a mummy with a heavy load of spices wrapped up with him, somehow he, he escaped his coverings and he walked out of the tomb. This is an incredible message that we have to share, but it's one that people struggle to believe. They think that this is all fantasy. It's, it's imaginary. It was invented by the apostles. And they also don't understand why it matters. So let's think about those, first, uh, those two issues. Christ has been raised. And so why should, why should we believe that and urge others to believe it? He's just 
a few suggestions. There are more, but here's just a few. First, the tomb was empty. It was guarded, remember, by trained Roman soldiers. So a ragtag group of disciples would not have been able to steal the body. Imagine trying to get past those soldiers. Jesus' enemies certainly had no reason to steal the body, and even if they did, they would have dragged the body back out as soon as the disciples started inventing this story. Second, in all four Gospels, women were the first to see Jesus, and it was the women who told the disciples. 2,000 years ago, women were not considered reliable witnesses. If you had made up this story back then, you would not have made women the first witnesses. You would only say that women were the first witnesses if you were committed to telling the truth. And third, lives were changed. Peter went from being scared of a servant girl to then boldly declaring that Jesus was raised, even though Peter ended up on a cross himself for that message. Paul went from persecutor to persecuted. He, he was killed for this message too. Why? There's more that we could say about this, more reasons for why we can legitimately believe that the resurrection is what happened. But why is it significant? First, it shows God is faithful. God keeps his promises. The Old Testament is true. The Old Testament is full of of promises and hints of Jesus' resurrection, like in Psalm 16, quoted by Peter in Acts 2. You will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. See, God is faithful. The Old Testament is true. That's one thing we learn from the resurrection. But second, it shows that Jesus is the promised eternal king. In 2 Samuel 7, God promised David that someone from his family would reign forever on the throne. And as that promise develops through the Old Testament, we find that this king wouldn't just be king over Israel, But people from all nations would come to him and would bow down before him, would submit to him as Lord. And until now, the eternal king had not arrived. Everyone else who who came from David, whether they were good kings or bad, they all died and they stayed dead. But now, 1 Corinthians 15.25, he, Jesus, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. He is the king who died and who was raised to life, never to die again. He is the eternal king promised to David. There's plenty of more implications, more reasons why the resurrection is important, all of which feed into our main point this morning, Jesus is uh, Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. He's the living Saviour and King. But we'll hold off on some of those until we look at our next heading, Christ ascended to the throne. That's our second heading, Christ ascended to the throne. 
After his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them, assuring them, preparing them. And in Acts 1, he prepares them in in verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus said we have a message to share that he came to solve the problem of our sin, that we deserve judgment for our rebellion against the God who made us, but Jesus willingly paid our price and rose as victor over death. These were his last words to them. And then verse 9 in Acts 1, when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Clouds in the Bible often represent God's presence. There was a cloud which led the people as they were traveling along in the wilderness. The cloud came down on Mount Sinai when God was giving the law. When Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, becoming brighter than the sun, God came in a cloud. And so here Jesus enters the cloud. The risen and living Saviour who said that he is one with the Father, he is I am, he is the one who dares to forgive sin, this one enters the cloud. He is the God-man like we saw last week and this God-man goes up into heaven. In 1961... Yuri Gagarin was the first man to journey to outer space and orbit around the Earth. It was an incredible achievement. And it's commonly believed that he said while he was in space, I don't see any God up here. It's debated, though, whether he actually said that. It could have been said during a speech by another Russian saying Gagarin flew into space, but he didn't see any God there. But heaven's not the kind of place that you can get to if you just keep going up in the right direction in space. Going up to heaven, going down to hell, it's it's language describing things from our perspective. Just like we use that language of the sun rising and the sun setting. It's descriptive. But what's happening in the ascension? Let's look at it from heaven's point of view. Because we get that point of view in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. There, Daniel sees a vision and it says there, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given a dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom shall not be destroyed. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he took his place there on the throne because he is the eternal king that God promised. He is the divine, he is the God-man, and he reigns in heaven. And this Jesus enjoys a different kingship to all those who have gone before him. 
The story of Damocles highlights the danger that those in power face. The story goes that Damocles was flattering the king Dionysius. Dionysius, he was so powerful, surrounded by wealth. And so King Dionysius, he got sick of this, and he offered to trade places for a day, as long as Damocles would not leave the throne. Damocles agreed, only to find that when he sat on the throne, there was a sword hanging above his head by a horsehair. All day, he didn't have eyes for the women dancing in front of him. He, he didn't have any appetite for the, the great feast. The threat of that sword was his constant peril. See, Dionysius was trying to teach him that power brought the risk of defeat by enemies and betrayal by friends. But you see, there's no sort of Damocles above Jesus' head. He is the eternal king. He has no rival. He has no fear of overthrow. He is the king on heaven's throne. The earth is his footstool. He rules over all the nations. He rules over every event of this world, guiding all things to his ultimate purpose. We have a good message to share because the one who reigns is the one who died for us. We can trust that whatever happens to God's people, it happens for our good. Sometimes it's painful. We've all had experiences of, of dreadful pain and, and heartache in this life, tragedies that we didn't think that we would recover from. But thankfully, they are not random tragedies in an unguided universe, which is what the atheist is forced to believe in. Thankfully, all these tragedies don't happen at the selfish whim of the universe. It's brought about by the one who suffered and died for us. Meaning that he's using it for a good purpose. See, this king is not uncaring. Jesus reigns as the living saviour and king. And because that's who he is, we can cling to the hope of who he is in our troubles. If he so loved us that he suffered and died for us, we can endure our suffering with hope. It's real pain, but it's also real hope. Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. Remember, this is part six of our message. Christ has been raised and Christ uh, ascended to the throne and now our third heading, Christ will return to save and judge. When Christ ascended to heaven, do you remember what the angel said? Again in Acts 1, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. He went up in the clouds, he'll return in the clouds. But he won't come again as the suffering saviour, he will come in glory. Acts 17.31, God has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man he has appointed. And of this he has given, full, he has given assurance to all, 
by raising him from the dead. Jesus' resurrection shows that he is the eternal king from David, meaning that he is our judge. Beck and I have been watching a ridiculous spy show recently. One aspect which keeps coming up is security. Both the criminals and the good guys are desperate to lock away their valuables, to lock away their important information, to lock away their important facilities. And often the way to access these places is through a, a combination of fingerprints and voice prints and, uh, and eye scans and something else. And would you believe that all of these things manage to get faked in the show, pretty much every episode? They get faked. Both the good guys and the bad guys can break into these complex security systems no matter how complex they are. But you see, there's no faking this. They might be able to supposedly fake a, a fingerprint, a voice print. They might be able to fake all of those things, but there's only one king who has been resurrected who now sits in heaven on the throne waiting for his father to say it's time. Did you see that future hope in 1 Corinthians 15? Verses 22 to 23, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. See, when Christ returns, all people will be raised. That's what Jesus says in John, uh, in the Gospel of John. Some to life, some to judgment. And those who've trusted in him will be raised to eternal life, not because of their good works, but because they have found forgiveness through Jesus' death. But those who have rejected Jesus will be judged because they will be judged by their works. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, Paul says. At the coming of the living Saviour and King, the curse of death, the stain of sin, the groaning of creation will be cancelled, will be removed, will be annulled. This is what we have been longing for. This is our hope. The world restored to a paradise, even more a paradise than it was before it was spoiled. Salvation is coming for God's people who've submitted to Jesus, who knows that he reigns as the living Saviour and King. We will enjoy eternal life with him, basking in the presence of the God who is all glory, all beauty, all love. But it's also, it's also a day of mourning, Mourning for those who have rejected this king's offer of forgiveness. As they've rejected him, they will be rejected and there'll be no more chances. There'll be no defense to give, no mitigating circumstances, no, no good works to shave off a, a couple of years for their, of their punishment. They've rejected God's son. They've rejected the judge. Justice is coming. We have a message to share. Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. And we have only scratched the surface.
Jesus was raised. He is reigning. Jesus will come to judge. You see the past, present, future aspect there. It's vital that the people we love know this because we can only have hope for the future if this is true. Only if he is raised as our living saviour and king can we hope for our own resurrection. Last week I uh, mentioned the last battle from the Chronicles of Narnia. And in that story, as uh, the two old people who were with that group, as, as they're in the equivalent of heaven, speaking to the young people with them, that they say that what happened when they arrived there was that their bodies were unstiffened. That's what many of us are longing for. And unless Jesus was raised, we have no real hope for it. But he has been raised, and he will return, and he will give us a body like his glorious body. Death won't have the final word. Jesus will. He has switched his sword from his left hand to his right hand, and the final blow is about to come. Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. Can you remember all those different elements of our story that we've been looking at over the last few weeks? God made the world, and so he rules it. We rebelled against him. He judges us justly. He sent Jesus to die for us, and now Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. This message changes everything, as we'll see next week. And so, because it changes everything, because it impacts our very lives to the deepest core, people will want to reject it. They'll say that this is impossible. But once you look at the evidence for the resurrection, there's no way around it. Jesus is raised. This life isn't all there is. This should change how we live and what we spend our money on, how we treat people, how we view the church. It makes it reasonable to say no to pleasure now and to accept suffering now instead. Jesus reigns as the living Saviour and King. So let's share this message and start living as though this life is not all there is. And let's pray. Our God in heaven, we do thank you for the glory of the resurrection. We thank you that Jesus has indeed been raised and that he reigns on the throne, that there is no one who can threaten him. May we always be overjoyed at this message. May we always be ready to share this message. And may we be people who submit to the King who died for us and who now lives and reigns forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, 
or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.